All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to uh, our community meeting. Uh, we're talking about the Hamilton Project versus the Hope Village community. My name is Kari Frazier. I am a resident here. I live at 1640 Clements. Wait, hold up. That's too much love. Too much love on the mics. All right. I live at 1640 Clements, but uh, I operate a business, uh, 1652 Clements. Uh, Detroit is different. It is a community hub, uh, telling a lot of stories of different things and people in and around the city of Detroit. And like many people, last summer, uh, and I'm guessing if you're here, you're one of those people that was sued, uh, surprisingly. Uh, it was a day that uh, I was outside in my garden and I was sued. And we're gonna get into that. But along that, uh, I wanna thank you all for being here and on the panel with me today, my dad, Greg Frazier, CPA, who is also a homeowner uh, in this area that with plots of land and he was getting sued for the plots of land he owns. And also Theo Pride of uh, Detroit People's Platform that knows a lot about organizing against actions like this. Um, from this, I'm finding out that this isn't, uh, this isn't a surprise to Theo Pride. This isn't a surprise to a lot of activists that have been dealing with things like this in quote unquote, redeveloping suppressed neighborhoods or under-resourced neighborhoods. So uh, if you're like me, you probably ended up getting sued uh, last year and you received something like this. Uh, and uh, I remember I'm outside um, in my garden. It's an uh, older white lady that just looks out of place in our neighborhood usually, you know. And she was looking. She walked up and she said, hey, uh, do you know Akari Frazier? I'm like, I'm Kari Frazier, you know. And I've been sued before for like business stuff, music stuff, but never for property stuff. So it threw me off and really rocked me to the core because I'm like, how am I getting sued for a project that's going on on the outside. It's like, I didn't even know a person could sue somebody over like, you know, just coming from nowhere. Like, like what is this about? How did this happen? Why did this happen? Was my first question. Uh, then I reached out to my dad. I got on the phone. I said, hey dad, I got this lawsuit. And then he said, hey, I think this lady has been trying to serve me as well. So I'm like, okay, so if I'm sued and my dad's sued, let's see who else in the neighborhood's getting sued. Reach out naturally to my neighbor around the corner, Miguel. And Miguel's like, yep, I was sued as well. And Miguel's here today. And he was, I was like, okay, so it was a lady that came up on you uh, out of nowhere in the summertime? He's like, yes. This was the letter that we were all served with, I assume. Uh, it was a series of different cases and different dockets. Uh, this lawsuit, like I say, it rocked a lot of us uh, and members of this community, the Hope Village community. Uh, I'm a member uh, a member of Hope Village Revitalization, the CDC here, uh, represented, I see here at the meeting now, and also a board member in Hope Village Revitalization. So it really rocked me to the core. So I reached back out to Hope Village and I said, hey, Debbie, the, the director of, of Hope Village. I'm like, I got sued and some other people got sued. And then Debbie said, guess what? We got sued too. And I'm like, damn, are they just suing everybody over here? They were suing everybody over here. And it's all dealing with the Hamilton Project. The Hamilton Project is a development underway that definitely has gone into construction now. We basically see the framework of what was being built. And what was being built is this means logistical park. It's a redevelopment project where it's 440,000 square feet look to provide 
a like uh, industrial warehousing uh, inside of Highland Park. That's where the address is, but it also is in the Detroit footprint too. That's where the lawsuits directly deal with. Um, we're unsure exactly what's happening, and I'll get more into this mean logistical part as time goes on. The Hamilton Project sued us, connecting to the development and the construction of Means Logistical Park. So when we look at this slide for what Means Logistical Park will be, and now we kind of have a couple more of the players as I've done more research on this project, and that's what today's meeting will be about. We're going to present a lot of this information. We want to give the information of who some of these players are in this uh, and, and what represented, what's happening, and what we can do to move forward collectively. Uh, I don't want this to be something where Kari Frazier moves forward with an opportunity for Kari Frazier in Detroit is different, but my neighbors in the neighborhood is left out dry in the cold. Uh, especially when I do feel that um, to randomly sue a bunch of people, I look at that as a violent act. It's, it's a violent act to just sue us with no cause. Uh, when you easily, if you can spend the money and exert the resources to serve us, you could have also spent the money and exerted the resources to interact with us and engage us without the lawsuit. You could have naturally just had a discussion. You could have done community meetings like this, and that would have been a more respectful way of dealing with us. As we see our neighborhood, we know what's going on in our neighborhood, and we're all for, as far as I'm concerned, we're for fair development in our community. But to lead in with suing many residents that's unfair. That's a violent act. That's not just. That's not the way that you should deal with neighbors. <clears throat> so why and how were we sued? So this lawsuit deals with a couple of different things. One of the first key things that this deals with is rezoning. Right now we live in a residential area. Um, right now, it, and that's looking to transition to a residential and industrial area. I'm gonna share a little bit more information about that. So rezoning is one of the reasons for the lawsuit. And in this lawsuit, one of the things that shocked many of us in this paperwork is as we see this old, man, that's like really old sketches. You know what I'm saying? That's back, you know, it wasn't any computer aided, computer aided drafting that created this plot of land. This is the neighborhood. This is the neighborhood as we see way back in the day. We're talking like 1800s when this was a community that did not have two big things that make up our community. The Davidson Freeway and the John C. Lodge Freeway. So what this lawsuit is saying is that some of the restrictions associated with what's written on paper in law through the city of Detroit, uh, the state of Michigan, and Wayne County are these old plots of land as we see. These old plots of land go back to old, old restrictions. You know, so we look at this subdivision. I had no idea that we lived in the uh, Grand Avenue subdivision. And I think most people did not know they lived in the Grand Avenue subdivision. Uh, we also found out in some of this paperwork that, you know, some of these old laws that don't even give black people the right to own property in this, which obviously have been broken. <laughs> 
would have been waived. That's one of the things that they're looking at. So three things, deed restrictions, covenant restrictions, zoning changes. So let's define these things and what we're looking at. So the deed restrictions, so we know, are in place to protect the health and well-being of residential communities. For example, protection against air, noise, and dust pollutants, which right now with that development of that space, even though it's across the freeway, it's no telling what's been in the air. Me personally, I know I'm waking up to a lot of noise. If you live in this footprint, you're probably hearing the cranes, you're hearing the, the bulldozers, the trucks. You're, you're, you're waking up almost throughout the summer every morning and you're hearing something. And this is the construction of the space. Um, developer wants to get rid of them, uh, these deed restrictions. Uh, and it's unsure exactly why these deed restrictions need to be broken. This is some of the transparency we're looking for to find out. Uh, the Highland Park side is obviously more vulnerable and most impacted. Many residents in Highland Park uh, in this process, and I'm gonna share more about that, have, uh, have actually sold their property. As we can see that that was a footprint of many houses. Some of those houses very dilapidated, some of them lots of land, but there were still many residents. Uh, in passing out and getting some of the door hangers on that side to the Highland Park people, I found out that many people did get settlements. Um, Detroit doesn't have a trucking route ordinance area of concern. That, that was some information given to me, uh, which I still would want to question what these trucking routes can look like as I'm going to share more information about this footprint. Hope Village restrictions, as we know, the CDC, the Community Development Corporation, has built a lot into the, into the community benefits agreement of what can happen and why things can happen, how things will happen. So that's very important. And some of these restrictions, along with the deed, the zoning, the covenant, are looking to be broken. Zoning is being changed from residential to restricted industrial. You know, and this is a process, obviously, where a lot of court hearings will take place, too. And this will have an impact on our properties. So here we go. A deed restriction is a limitation on how you can use your property. Deed restrictions can limit what you can build and certain other activities you might pursue on your land. So similar covenant restrictions, restrictive covenants or deed restrictions are legal instruments recorded with the county register of the deeds and are used to impose land use or resource use restrictions where environmental contamination is present at a particular property. So we can think of this like um, the deed restrictions, the covenant restrictions, some it's, it's a mix of both. The deed is kind of like a basic of, of, of any, you know, you're gonna get a deed when you get property ownership. We have the deed to the land. Covenant restriction is more, I believe, and I think Theo Pride will inform me more from what I'm finding out, is more specific to how you're going to exercise what's going to take place in that property with that deed. So rezoning. Rezoning is when zoning classification changes. So as I said, they're looking for a different zoning in this project. Uh, what is that? They're looking to rezone to... They're look, oh, let's see to like light industrial, restricted industrial. That's what it would be. So light industrial, restricted industrial. So 
this is here zoning from residential to industrial how important is zoning for a property um the key thing when properties are appraised and we already know the type of community we live in we live in a black community historically black property has been under appraised you know we know this like the whole concept of you know you have the 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 appraiser see the white family pictures up versus the black family pictures up and it's appraised for more value when it's the white family pictures up less value when the black family pictures is up what even supersedes a lot of that is something that impacts this from being a residential community to light industrial and where that light industrial is which is actually one of my biggest questions about this project because in this whole footprint there are a lot of spaces where industrial production already happens. So that's one of Kari Frazier's questions number one, is why there? Why change a residential community to light industrial when it's so much access to industrial spaces, especially when we think of that footprint of Highland Park, possibly, you know? And this is going to affect, if we ever look to sell our property, how it'll be appraised just naturally you know so now you may be thinking like all right you know i want it's time to you know get up and sell my property and now you may get ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars less for selling your property because it's like all right right now nothing's happening in that light industrial but two years from now maybe let's say another warehouse opens up over there let's say more machinist shops open up over there and that's just going to bring a lot of noise it's going to lower your property value it's going to impact the appraisal of all our properties um yeah the major construction yeah mm -hmm. but uh blue star came in and started demolishing majority of the houses that they uh tore down mm -hmm. yeah. hmm. so so for somebody like you with so it, it went from an offer in conducting yes. business where you're like, that's not a fair offer. Yeah. So immediately now you're dealing with legality yes. and many lawsuits. How many lawsuits yeah. do you have pending connected to this? Uh, I got stacks of paperwork from mm. that one company, Madden Hauser. Mm. Yeah. But it, it went from Carrier's group to them. So when I talked to those people for the first time in Madden Hauser, they said they didn't even know who the Carrier's group were. Mm. So when I talked to uh, the judge, and Madden Hauser on that Zoom call, now all of a sudden you're saying that they're their brokers. Carriers is their brokers. They, but all of a sudden now that you know them, since it's in court now. Wow. But at first they act like they didn't want to tell me that, like they wasn't obligated. How difficult has it been to find a lawyer to represent you and, and, and support in this matter? Legal yeah, it's, support. It's, it's rough. Mm. Yeah. So, what what are what do most attorneys tell you? Uh, they well, a couple say they gonna ask some of their colleagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know one guy, Mark Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a criminal lawyer, but he has other lawyer lawyers. For, yeah, he has yeah. lawyer connections. Yeah. So I'm just waiting on some feedback. And and, and you're looking actually at a, a case that's pending very soon, December 16th. You got yeah. something coming up, so yeah. that's days away. Mm -hmm. hmm. and, and, and how are you and your family how are you having resolved to like 
take on something like this because this is circuit court, the U.S. circuit court. You're, you're looking right. at real deal situations mm-hmm. and just as people, I don't know how, how much you all have been involved in legal situations as myself and, and shout out to Sugar Law for uh, stepping up in, 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 in some of the relationships with myself and my family. We were able to get some support from them. But in this matter, I've reached out and I've met other people like uh, Mr. Elliot and even reconnected with a lot of my neighbors of right. like, what, uh, where do we go in this matter? And it still seems to like a lot of things in this nation that if you own, if you have more money and own more property, court and courts and justice will sway in your favor more so than being a resident. And the tough thing about us as right. residents is this was imposed on us. We were living our life right. yeah. free having fun, loving life as much as it's cool to meet yeah. <laughs> Marvin and everything. But under the Beating circumstances. Out of this, yeah, under yeah. these circumstances is not the way that no. we want to connect. No. So uh, how are you having resolved to even, you know, move forward and, and you know, what's been your perspective and state of mind to, to deal with stuff like this? Well, it's a little depressing, but I can't see, let my kids see me like that. Mm-hmm. So I just keep my fronts up because they don't like it. No one's happy about it. Especially, that's why I got a lot of family. They come and check on me. Mm. So they they got me. They making moves, too, making calls. So so I, I was hearing it, and I'm a freeway across. Right. What was it like waking up at 7 in the morning almost every day? And even to this day now, it's still constructing now. Like, yeah. what is it like to be abruptly woken up almost to, like, earthquake? Yeah, sometimes I used to get up at the about five o'clock, so I wouldn't have to jump up out of my sleep. Mm. Think of somebody coming in or something like that. So I wake up a little early, and pictures shaking on the walls. Yeah, mm. I just go in the basement, make sure my foundation is straight, mm-hmm. and walk around my house. I still do it. What about the dust and the and the pollution yeah. and air pollution? Have you noticed a difference in air quality? Well, as far as before, that's why they hurried up at the last minute and put the uh, asphalt down because when it was still nice out, all those trucks back and forth, I couldn't even sit on the porch comfortably mm. because of the dust. Yeah. Mm. That's why I didn't put my air conditioner in the window on that side. Because yeah. mm. yeah. mm. it was just bringing in dust. Yeah. Either that or it was going to go out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of this, let's also talk about when they talk about projects like this come for job creation. Yeah. The job crews. Do any of these people look like Highland Park residents? Nope. I mean, they're not going to when they finish either. Mm. Because a lot of this development is under the guise of it'll bring jobs to a community, and that's why we should support this. Right. And the crews I've seen, I think I've saw one black face in all of the days. Yeah. Tracking one or two and connecting. Yeah. Yep. And they subcontract out. They come in like I seen one on the asphalt crew Saturday. One so black guy. Saturday, uh what was it? Thursday and then Saturday. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and who's keeping you know, are there what do you think are the checks and balances to keep that in order? Like as far as um, you know, to see the quote unquote job creation that comes from development. Yeah, like the uh, uh, Dan, the guy that's running the whole contract, I could tell when it's his crew working because they got all the same machines and 
even my lady, she noticed yesterday that that asphalt machine, it was from a, it was like down, I'm, that must be subbed out. Mm. Like, yeah, because she even, it's that much that's been going on over there. She even notices different things and she knows nothing about construction. That's already going to happen. So let's see. So now as we transition over, this is going to be a portion for my dad. My dad's going to provide like that whole footprint in this site overview of Means Logistical Park. Thanks, Gary. So the slide that you're looking at right now, that is uh, just to put things in perspective. I don't know if how many people can recognize that aerial view, but I'll give you a hint. If you look in the upper left corner, you see where it says Myers. That's the Myers uh, grocery store. That's the Myers uh, place for shopping, right? Well, not too far from the Myers store, and again, I'm putting this in perspective, is an existing Amazon warehouse. That Amazon warehouse there is located right there at, uh, at, at State Fair. Uh, they, they call it uh, the uh, Warehouse uh, Six, Warehouse Detroit Six. And that is about, whoop, one wrong way. That is about, um, that warehouse takes up about 1.2 uh, square miles, about 51 acres. Uh, and again, let me just take a, hold on one second. That's uh, State Fair. I can't make out the other, the other streets, but it, it gives you an appreciation for the footprint. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because this space here, this is close to home. This is where our community is right here, right? And if you notice that large uh, uh, red, uh, red rectangle, that is the location for the Hamilton Corridor LLC, uh, EJM, uh, EJM Highland Park uh, LLC, and basically, from my understanding, is that those are the land developers that have acquired this land, and then they're going to build something there that, uh, that will be put to uh, some kind of uh, business-related uh, uh, use. What, what is interesting is the, uh, the community that's affecting most of us is that smaller uh, polygon, that smaller uh, figure there, which is in the lower, lower left corner, as opposed to the upper right. Lower left corner, that's, that's like the Grand uh, Street and Clemens Street, and I think I even outlined just Pasadena. But that, that section right there is, uh, is the section that was subject to, to a lot of the lawsuits. And it's like, uh, uh, that, that's kind of the mystery right now. That's what kind of really has us suspicious, not only because we don't know what they're building there, we kind of have an idea, but they haven't officially told us yet. You know, that could be like a, a, a hog processing plant, as far as we know. We don't know what it is, but we kind of have an idea. This is just, uh, now if we take it from an aerial view, now we're looking at a map uh, view, you know, from uh, kind of a bird's eye view. And, uh, and again, just, a, just a, a different way of looking at that. And incidentally, the measurements that I'm looking at, for the, the, the measurements taken for the uh, larger rectangle, that's directly from the contents in the lawsuit. The lawsuit actually specifies, I'm sorry, not the lawsuit. That's directly from 
uh, a recent uh, uh, hearing from the city of Highland Park, recent being within the last, I think it was sometime in uh, 2021, where they specified the, uh, the boundaries for whatever the, uh, this change in land use uh, would be for whatever, the, whatever that facility is going to be there. The, uh, the other, rec the other uh, uh, figure is, uh, I took some liberties there because I really wanted to have a, kind of give an appreciation for uh, the distribution relative to the, to the lawsuits that were sent out. Uh, just to show that as it relates to Detroit, and that's important, I gotta point that out. The, uh, the upper rectangle, that's in Highland Park. You cross, uh, that, that, once you get over, and, and actually some of that is, is, uh, is uh, Detroit. Well, when you cross the lodge, all of that's Detroit. And just so that you know, I don't know if I have a, do they have one of these uh, lights on here on this one? If you look at the, the yellow, uh, those roads, that represents, uh, that's the Lodge Freeway and Davison. And, and definitely uh, southwest of uh, those, those yellow, that, that, uh, that, that yellow line, that's all Detroit. And then if you look at the, uh, the other part of that is uh, Highland Park. The big difference here is when we look at this illustration versus this next illustration is that one little triangle. The one triangle there is, is specified in the lawsuit that uh, the reason for the acquisition of the properties that you see in that triangle uh, adjacent to where this, we think it's a warehouse, where this warehouse is going to be, we think it's an Amazon warehouse, uh, is they're saying that 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 space uh, would be utilized for parking, green space, and detention ponds. And, and that, you know, that makes sense. It makes sense to have, to acquire space like that for parking and, and, other, and, and other support facilities for this warehouse. But the mystery is, when we look at everything that this lawsuit is all about and the, and the property that they want to acquire it extends well into our community and and what's listed again all of this is from the lawsuit itself what's listed are 30 there, there's specifically 38 properties listed in the lawsuit on, on one of the dockets it was many dockets it was at oh, least okay. maybe about six dockets oh. so it's about over a hundred but in our docket this and and we're in a docket with um, a lot of properties on Clements Grand. Right. Then it's another docket with a lot of properties on Pasadena, Pasadena Ford. Then it's a docket with a lot of properties on Kendall Labelle. There are many different dockets of this lawsuit. Yeah, good point. And as a matter of fact, one of the reasons I I specified, and this is with some uh, the the Google software. Each of those circles represents one of the 38 properties listed in the lawsuit that, that my son and I received and some of our neighbors received. But as Kari just pointed out, we were very much aware that there were many more lawsuits and that's why I kind of extended that, that, lower, uh, that lower rectangle to kind of cover what I perceive to be the space. But it's probably bigger than the space that we have there. But the point is clear from this and that is why are they suing Detroiters, Detroit, Detroit property owners for this property that is on the other side 
of uh, the lodge in Davison, there's, there's nothing here that we can under, there's no reason that we can perceive that would be a benefit to this uh, Amazon warehouse, that's what we think it is, uh, for them to, to, to seek to, to waive or drop the uh, deed and covenant restrictions and pursue an aggressive action to rezone this residential area into uh, light industry or restricted, in, uh, light industrial industry or restricted uh, uh, indus, uh, industrial uh, use. So that, that's, uh, that's the other thing just to, just to point out. So uh, I think that is it for my end of it. So, so within this, uh, the other slide overview is this is from a website taken in this process uh, on this project. Uh, Ashley Capital is one of the key, I guess I would say, investors or businesses behind this project. And right now on their website, you can go to Ashley Capital and you'll find this site map. Because right now, another one of the key arguments as my dad made reference to is the fact that um, it's being said as if they don't know what will be there. So if you go on the Ashley Capital website, you're going to see information as if like, hey, if you're looking to rent this space, this is a great space that you can look to occupy. And you see on their map, they map out the freeways. And they also map out the businesses. They have another map that even goes and extends all the way to Chicago saying like you can utilize this space and get to Chicago. You can get to Toledo. You can travel far distances it stretches even into Canada you know which is another one of those big questions actually uh Debbie Fisher asked this question what will be housed in this warehouse what will be housed in this warehouse if it is a warehouse because that question matters too will it be toxic will it be waste will it be things that people wouldn't want in their community these are other big questions and just and just to add and to add one other thing, and that is, is it possible that these uh, restrictions that are affecting Detroiters, the Detroit property owners, it may be totally unrelated to this warehouse? And, uh, and what I mean by that is, is it possible that they're seeking to rezone uh, our property for some other use where the city of Detroit is kind of piggybacking off of this opportunity to go in and aggressively just rezone our, our, uh, our area, our residential area. So I'm gonna give some history on the Hamilton project itself. Um, first off, uh, the, the logistical park is named after Eric Means. Eric Means was a heck of a developer uh, before he passed away. Um, and one of the few black developers. I think a big project that I've appreciated from him is the Garden Theater project. I don't know if anybody's ever been to the Garden Theater. It's um, that, that footprint, it's on Woodward, kind of uh, one of the few venues where you have a lot of uh, black culture, cultural events there. And this was a project led by the Means Group at Eric Means. Um, he passed away of a stroke. Um, and right now his wife has stepped in Tracy Means as the person leading the Means, logist, Means group. 
you also see the Ashley Capital article uh, when they broke ground. And you have a couple of people from um, the county commissioner's office, the state of Michigan, some people from Ashley Capital uh, in this slide. As I said, I'm going to give anyone this PowerPoint. You have access to it, uh, to the PowerPoint. If you, um, it's a QR code on the, on the agenda sheet. You can uh, take a picture of the QR code and it's there as well. But I'll also email it to anyone uh, and everyone if you want it. Make sure you please sign in. So the history of this project, as I said, is Eric Means had a vision for this project years ago. Uh, Eric Means interacted and met with especially a lot of Highland Park residents. Many Highland Park residents were actually sold their pro property to this project and their property has been demolished. And uh, he was more interactive in community. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, David Alexander Bullock, that at that time was the pastor of Greater St. Matthew Baptist Church, which sits across the street on the bell from this project, uh, remembers when Eric first presented this information. And you can even, when you Google Eric Means, you're gonna see a lot of stories uh, of him like in the news, uh, you know, offering a new house to like some seniors and people in this community. He had, when he passed away, the tone and the approach of what this project was and how this project engaged the community completely shifted. Hence, it goes from engaging, interacting with community to suing people, you know? And that's a violent act. I wanna keep bringing that up. It's a violent act to sue us, you know? Now, when I say it's a violent act, that's in my mind how corporations play you know, if this was the streets, we know how streets play, you know. But oftentimes, a lot of residents like us can get played upon. So being that Eric Means, and they're even naming it after him, it's Means Logistical Park. So I'm sure that that's a, a, a feel-good feel in honor of who he is, in honor of it being a black person. It's in Highland Park, connected to a black community with a lot of, you know, in De connected to a Detroit community with a lot of black folks. So that's like, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's reasoning behind that. But this is not how Eric conducted himself when he engaged the community. So they're using the name, but not engaging the community the same. <clears throat> and now we get to some information that Theo will open up and really opened my eyes to some information too. Because as much as we think that these are some big businesses doing big business things, a lot of this project was paid for with our tax money. The state of Michigan tax money. I mean, later on in this slide, you're gonna see a quote from the governor about this project going underway. And all of this, as I said, it's a way to engage the community and it's a way to disengage the community. As far as I'm concerned, they've disengaged us. And um, it's a couple of different sides on tax money, brownfields. I'm learning more about this. The person that put me up on a sum of this game is right here on this table too. That's Theo Pride, Detroit People's Platform. Detroit People's Platform, an advocacy group that helps organizations, communities, people come together, develop community benefits agreements, uh, when we're caught in fights like this. And that's how I found out about fights like this going on across the city of Detroit, where a lot of this quote unquote land where nothing is going on 
but you do have people that live there are just being bulldozed over, in my opinion, and not even being engaged with the respect of treating us how they should treat us. Because we know for sure this would not be happening in Gross Point like this. You know, if I if I opened a lemonade stand and I just sued everybody in three blocks because it's like all of a sudden I want to grow some sugar cane for my lemonade, I'm pretty sure I would be dealing with a real violent act to go with that corporate violent act, you know? So uh, it's a couple slides in here, so you can pass the. Um, I guess I'll talk about um, the, the tax incentives uh, attached to this deal. Um, what we do know for sure is that um, about nine, ten million dollars have been uh, awarded to uh, the Means uh, Redevelopment Group um, and essentially a brownfield tax increment financing deal is, right, it's not necessarily taking, right, a pot of public money and say, hey, go develop this. What it is, is a tax break to then repay for site remediation. So the idea of brownfields, right, in terms of economic development is to say that, right, old industrial, typically inner cities um, that have a bunch of right, uh, right abandoned industrial land aren't as economically competitive in the development landscape because of all of the extra cost that comes with right site remediation and getting the land right up to the standard to be used. And so right, it'd be much cheaper than to go to like a rural area and develop that. And so cities must then um, right. Uh, essentially pay for site remediation for um, uh, for a developer. And so how the tax increment financing deal will work is that over a number of years, typically it's like 20 or 30 years, that um, uh, the the developer would would pay into a fund and then receive that money back. How 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 much ever the cost of of the the the, the site remediation was. Um, and so so when we look at that $8.9 million, that's the repayment, right, to, right, the developer for the site remediation. And that is tax money that typically would go into the public coffers for, what, libraries, public safety, uh, schools, all of that type of stuff. And so when we see that $10 million, that's not only Highland Park, that's Wayne County, that's the state. That's money's on a lot of different levels. That's that is public money that would have been there that won't be there now because of this brownfield tax increment financing deal. That's one, and that's what we know. I guarantee you, there's more. If I did a little bit of digging, typically um, developments like this receive what you call a industrial development tax exemption. Um, and that is a straight up abatement. That is to say that we're going to freeze the property values, right, at this at pre-development level. So let's say the, they got the site for $400,000. You will only pay taxes on that $400,000 for 12 to 15 years. Typically, that's the lifespan of these type of things, right? And so after, when they develop it, right, the, the land would then be re-evaluated, reassessed. It might be $15 million. We're looking at, what, a, a $40 million development, right? And so that that is the tax, right, property tax that, right, the municipality misses out on, 
right, uh, uh, over a 12, right, 15-year period. And so now we're talking about over the course of 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, we know for sure this is 10 million. I guarantee you there's another probably 10, 12 million out somewhere as well. So we talk about $20 million perhaps of public money that could be going to our babies, that could be going to uh, neighborhood beautification, that could be going to local governments for public investment that will now go to what? Private investment that will then enrich these developers. Or, or furthermore, I'm gonna cut you off here, as there are many business people here, I know from the crowd, that $20 million, we can do some business of our own. We can, we can instead of quote unquote, giving jobs, we can empower ourselves through entrepreneurship. And then also not only give a job, we're gonna employ the people in our community that we know. You know, cause these people are outside of our community. None of these names are people that live on Clements, Grand, LaBelle, Kendall, Pasadena. They're not over here. But I, I think that's a good point, too. I think a lot of people get up, right, get caught up in the argument about these kind of tax incentives. Are they good? Are they bad? Right. I think there are there, there's a way in which they can be used, right, for the benefit of the community. But typically, that's not what's happening, right? As Kari said, a lot of times they're given to big like look 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 at downtown Detroit right right now we're looking at the Illich group we're looking at Dan Gilbert Dan Gilbert is by far the richest single human being in Michigan he just received almost 700 million dollars in public money to develop a skyscraper that a lot of us don't even have the money to to stay a night in um, and so, right, those are the type of uh, developments that are being funded, right, with, with, with taxpayer money when it could be used to, right, stimulate collective ownership, cooperative ownership, solidarity economies, all of those type of things, green development, those aren't being used to enrich the residents, right? They're, a lot of times, it's being used to displace residents, right? Um, I always say that. Um, the development of place is not necessarily the development of people, right? You can make a place look real nice and shiny, uh, that does not necessarily mean the people come up in the process. And so a lot of times what's happening, people are being displaced through processes of gentrification. Um, and I see this uh, particular development uh, cut from the same cloth. Uh, right now, uh, Detroit People's Platform, we've been tracking these type of developments for the last six, seven years um, in the city of Detroit. Detroit is the first city in the United States to institute a community benefits agreements ordinance um, at the local level. So that means that when development comes in at certain levels, a certain amount of public money goes to the development, a certain amount of uh, 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 investment goes into the development development, right, it automatically triggers a community benefits agreement. And what that means is that the developer has to come to the table and negotiate with the impacted residents over what do we get out of this deal? You know, you getting, you getting rich, what do we get out of this deal? Because you getting you taking money from our schools, you taking money from our parks, you taking money from our libraries, what do we get out of this deal? Now, those community benefits agreements, that type of negotiation process, is not a sure thing for every development, right? In this particular case, this is something that is going to have to be fought for by a community, right? And many of the community benefits agreements in Detroit that are negotiated on and, and, and won or even established is because 
uh, residents organized, right, and pressured the, 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 the company, say, hey, you gonna sit down with us, you just ain't gonna come in our backyard, set up shop, and think you ain't gonna talk to us. And that's what, that's what folks have to do. And I, I just wanna pr provide a little bit more context in terms of the potential negative impacts of this, this, this type of development. Um, Highland Park, which is really, really interesting when, when, when I found this out, it had not established a brownfield redevelopment authority over the last 20 years or so when it could have, right? Many cities have a brownfield redevelopment authority. That is to say that, yo, we got X industrial land, we need to, we need to incentivize folks to develop this land. That, that hasn't been there. They just, they just developed one. Right? There is a massive process of reindustrialization of inner city black and brown communities. Why? This is a matter of power, right? Who wanna live next to a factory? Nobody. Right? Who wants to go set up who who wants to uh buy a home near a factory? <laughs> right? Literally like, oh yeah, you know, there go an Amazon warehouse. Let me let me select that neighborhood to invest in and set up. Nobody's gonna do that. So automatically what happens, those kind of developments destroy and eat up property value, right? Um, and because of that, these places gotta set up shop somewhere and they're going to follow the path of least resistance. Who can we exploit? Who can we bully? Who can we politically move to the side to get what we want? Right, and so you have this process of reindustrialization. You see it all over the city of Detroit, um, and this is what I foresee. Right, it was a lot of discussion as to why this rezoning, uh, because they're going to reindustrialize the area. This is going to be an industrial park over here. Right, it's going to be warehouses. It's going to be manufacturing. It's going to be all of that over here. They're not worried about residents living over here. They worried about truck routes. They worried about logistics. They worried about that type of stuff. Ain't worried about nobody's house. Um, and this is also important, is that when we also attach to it the context of pu how public monies are used to do this, essentially we paying for that. We're paying for that process of displacement and reindustrialization. Um, and so, to me, it's just another example of the way in which these systems operate, <laughs> um, um, right, to, to, to undermine our well-being, um, but giving the appearance of benefit. Because this is what folks will tell you. This is what uh, elected officials and uh, the, the DEGC and the DDA and all these economic development authorities will tell you, oh, you, you know, nobody want to come to Detroit. Nobody want to come to Highland Park and set up shop. We got to do this. We all benefit. Ain't nobody, we, we don't all benefit, right? Those who own those businesses benefit, and those who can live away from the industrial development benefit, and those who can afford to stay in the luxury development benefit. Low income, average, everyday, majority black Detroiters will be displaced, and we do not benefit. That's the bottom line. And, and, and all the numbers bear that out. All the numbers bear that out. Um, yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, oh, yeah, 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 you know, so that's essentially what a brownfield is, is, is a toxic site. This is another interesting thing to, to take into consideration. Um, 
yeah, that was the economic development rationale that, yo, we have toxic, environmentally hazardous sites. We got to incentivize developers to develop it because there's an extra cost to it to make it viable. Right now, uh, this development has served as bad actors. Yes, um, right. Some of the things that Mr. Elliott has dealt with more so than most, mm -hmm. it, it's been, man, it's been like a head on, like, mm -hmm. like, like tear down assault of, mm -hmm. uh, of what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I give that long introduction mm -hmm. to say, I meet you in this project. That's right. What's your connection to this project? Was it just connecting to the advocacy and the activism that you that you were already active in doing? And then this is running concurrent with you also campaigning politically exactly. and other things. So exactly. how, how do you how do you connect with this project? Exactly. So all of this came across my table the, the moment I got sworn in. Okay, so the moment I got sworn in, so me and Mr. Elliot, we share a common friend, okay. a very good friend. You okay, know? Uh, uh, and her, uh, um, you know, her name is Miss Yago. Mm -hmm. uh, we share a, a very good friend, and she called me after I was sworn in to tell me about Mr. Elliot. And this is this is yeah. interesting about public service. Yeah. It's like you you don't even get two seconds. No, it's like, uh, hey. no two seconds, no nothing. Okay, uh -huh. my phone has not stopped ringing since the county certified the election. My phone has hit stop ringing. I'm sitting here now and it's ringing like calls. crazy. Okay, and, and, and it's unique yeah. because you you can empathize with this just from mm -hmm. going back in time to 2010. That's right. What you dealt with mm -hmm. and you feeling as though you only had one member, which exactly. one is better than in, than right. none, That's but right. still it's very shocking sometimes mm -hmm. to find that, like, damn, I'm a taxpayer, mm -hmm. I'm overwhelmed, mm -hmm. I don't even know what to do. You know, it, it, it leaves people in a position of, like, you know, you know, just fear, That's right. anxiety, That's right. and, and not doing anything That's because right. they're confused. They don't That's even right. know where to turn for That's him. Right. You That's know? right. So, you know, uh, um, although... Although Miss um, Moore fought extremely hard for me when I was in th th this exact same position spot. in certain ways, yeah, yeah, you know, I fight a little bit harder. You know, I'm saying I'm a little bit more rougher. I'm a little bit more rawer. I let the memes group know that. I have no problem with you coming in here and making money. I have no problem with you coming in here and doing development. But when you come in here, you come in here right. You don't get to stand on the necks of Highland Park residents while you climb and make your millions. It's a, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You will show the same respect that you would if you was out in Macomb County because I guarantee you that you wouldn't have pulled this out there. But they think that we're nobody because we're so desperate for this and desperate for that and we don't have this and we don't have that that they could just come in here w w with their millions and push people around and get away with it. And it's unacceptable. And I want to give a counterpoint mm -hmm. to that because usually a lot of this quote unquote public money, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be from a municipality, yeah. the state or the federal government mm -hmm. um, or agency of the federal government, mm -hmm. the thought process is it will spar uh, economic growth. That's right. Like the whole trickle down economics, which mm -hmm. clearly never has worked. It but, never works. But the idea is always y'all need jobs. That's mm -hmm. usually the yeah. jobs, jobs is yeah. usually the number one yeah. title, mm -hmm. which led to me asking, Ms., you know, Mr. Elliot. I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, man, that's right outside your door. That's How many black people have you seen working on these construction crews? He said not a two. One. I ain't seen not a one. 
So these are the things that yeah. So these are the Mm -hmm. things that we always wonder with Mm -hmm. these jobs that say they're coming here that circumvent where Mm -hmm. things go. And Mr. Mm -hmm. Elliot even said like, "Hey, I got a cousin that hauls soil, like Mm -hmm. has a has a truck, Mm -hmm. and he's in that business." Collier's Mm -hmm. Group, another one of the partners in this Ashley Capital Mm -hmm. Collier's Group, Mm -hmm. in this development. Even though, like I say, front facing is the means name Mm -hmm. and uh, means is uh, widowed spouse. Mm -hmm. Like so, you see the black face in front mm-hmm. but in reality it's a lot of white money behind that's this right. project that's right you know what i'm and saying using using mm-hmm. a lot of uh here here we go mm-hmm. I'm, now i'm yeah. going real deep well, opportunity zone hub mm-hmm. zone money mm-hmm. oppor- opportunity zone uh mm-hmm. zone hub zone meaning like using mm-hmm. a lot of money you can get by basically being associated that's with right. a black partner to acquire uh, more government subsidies, mm-hmm. more government tax uh, mm-hmm. abatements, more government uh, resources, mm-hmm. basically by being associated with a black partner mm-hmm. and and basically doing what you want to do. Which I, I, I got to stop you there for a moment, because if this were a brownfield and, and we know Highland Park and Mayor Yap and some of the city council uh, is it's the, the local elections on Highland Park are happening now. So that'll be two Tuesdays from now. But uh in that, this was residential. So it's not like the land, I know like the land near Belle Isle that, that sits there, I, I'm, I'm sure that's contaminated. That's why it's like, we don't wanna do anything there. We gotta wait another like 50 years or something like that. People were living there. So I, I also, as I'm finding out more about Brownfield, I also question if people were living there and it was already, I guess, quote unquote toxic or waste site, people were just living in a toxicity and Highland Park was aware of this or, you know, it was just cool. And then furthermore, the other question that I have is, it's very ingenious that Highland Park is opening up, starting what they're doing with brownfield development connected to this project. So it's like, who, who are the... Who are the players behind the scenes? And I know Eric Means was working and, and, and keeping things going, but for things to just fall right in place at the right time to open up for this, especially when we know, um, when I think about driving down that same street, we've all seen it, that Helm facility that mysteriously burned down a couple years ago, you know, that already is industrial. And that's a heck of a footprint, almost like right across the street. So it's like, if you wanna do something industrial, this industrial already in this space on Hamilton like almost directly across the street. Why are you choosing to break up what's residential and rezone? So it's just another one of those Kari questions. So, so the first one is you're absolutely right. You know, how is it that they are able to take residential land that has been occupied and designated a brownfield? It's because it is. Initially, the brownfield law was really tight and, and, and rigid in its definition of environmentally hazardous site and, 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 and land, right? Over the last 20 years or so, it has been amended and transformed to the point where almost everything is a brownfield, right? There is language, right, in the law that says if you have too much debris on the surface of the foundation, it is a brownfield. Right. And so simply dirt removal 
constitutes site remediation. Right? To, 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 to scoop the dirt up, put it in, in the dump truck, and, and, and move it off. Right? That then constitutes a developer receiving a brownfield um, tax uh, increment financing deal. Um, and so now brownfields that had been typically used to redevelop like old factories, right? You see a brownfield being designated to an old commercial site that, that used to be a liquor store on Six Mile. It's a brownfield because there's too much dirt around the building. It's blighted. Blight is another word. If, 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 if a facility is blighted, it's a brownfield. You know, those type of things. The second thing is that at, at $38, $39 million, that's a lot of money. But that's not a huge, right, industrial or even light industrial investment. There is another light industrial uh, investment um, right now in um, District 7, the old AMC headquarters. I don't know how many folks are familiar with that, right? That investment was about... Uh, about about almost 75 million dollars so about double the investment money as as this particular project the reason why I don't think they use that that building is probably it was just too big it was too much right and so they working with the money that they got to do what they need to do but I guarantee you the fact that um, Highland Park has established a brownfield redevelopment authority and they seem like they are absol in absolute cahoots with the city on how to um, essentially reindustrialize the area, right? That side will be developed in, in the near future coming up here. Um, and we should all pay attention to all of the industrial development that's going on around the city. Another one is the, the Stellantis plant on the east side. Um, uh, are, are folks familiar with the old, old uh, the, it used to be Chrysler, right? It's Stellantis now, right? And so they just expanded, right, their uh, development facility to include painting and all this other type of stuff. Right now, right, they received, a, they received what, something like $250 million in tax incentives. Huge, $250 million. This is one of the richest corporations in the world. But they need tax money from our babies, our, 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 our seniors, our single mothers, affordable housing. You know how much affordable housing we need in the city? It is a crisis. So wait, wait, I want to finish this and then we're going to open up because let me let me get the slide. We almost done. I know, Mr. Cole, I know you got a lot to say. And then also, when we do speak, I want to make sure we're speaking on the microphone up here. I'm going to make sure Joe turns that on. I know we're panning and everything. I want to capture all of this because we see we got a couple people here today. I know it's pretty cold here in Andy and everything, but I'm going to get this word out via Detroit is different style. That's how I know I, how to talk to people. I talk through media. We gonna get this in the media and I wanna share this video with everyone here that signed up as well. So it's just more about this. This is the letter that uh, where the governor even spoke to this and in green lighting everything. This was in uh, 21, probably like, it's funny. This is July 21. This was a month after I, I got served and sued. <laughs> so um, these are some of the partners in this project. Ashley Capital was founded in 84. Uh, they focus on buying brownfield parcels. 
and transforming them into, as they say, the industrial centers. And I believe this is the lead developer on this project, in my opinion. Uh, Colliers, it is another partner in this project. It basically takes the space and, and helps with the management of the space of whatever that will be, which is more questions to what will be warehoused in this facility. Means Group, and I already gave some perspective of what Means Group does, a lot of construction management, facility management. The PEA Group, it's, they say, like a broad range of services into engineering. Another question that raises the question of what is going to be warehoused in this facility? These are the site contacts, meaning like when you reach out and you look it up, if you're interested in buying or renting space in the facility, these are the two contacts um, from Ashley Capital, even though they're connected to Collier's, uh, that you reach out to. So, <clears throat> what we want, and I have a sheet that we can fill out, and now we're gonna open up for some discussions. Joe, can you get the uh, wireless mic on? Yeah, walk, walk that way. Um, let's see our suggestions compensation for this lawsuit and now even as I'm sitting and listening to what Theo's saying being that our property values are going to go down I think we need to have like someone like my dad uh, that's a CPA that's like a good thing to have your dad's a CPA to assess what type of value we're going to lose in our property over the lifespan of this project being here you know and I think we can kind of use a little bit of judo. We can use some of their energy against them themselves because if they have this brownfield project, as I'm thinking through this correctly, they probably already have like a lifespan of how long they expect this project to be. So we need to assess how much we're gonna lose over the lifespan of this project. So what can we do? I think we have some legal action, possibly. Some protest actions, possibly. Media, we're starting that here. And then we got politics as well. There's some politicians, even though, you know, politics can be interesting to say the least. And then I have my information at the end. So with that being said, now, I don't know who wants to speak first. I definitely would like Debbie to give some information because I wanna give one response even illegally. Legally, um, the advice we've been given is the best way to take this fight on is to partner with the Community Development Corporation. The CDC here is Hope Village Revitalization. The reason the argument was given to partner with the CDC is because by partnering with the CDC, it can represent all of us as opposed to like individually one-offs with each resident. Uh, the argument is it's going to be hard for myself to say how much pollution is coming to Kari's house and then Miguel to say, all right, how much dust has come over here to, to, to my house? Whereas we can like blanket a community together with the CDC. My personal argument is heightening and using my voice and media to at least bring more awareness. Uh, I was mentioning to my dad today. Uh, yesterday, I saw people from Ashley Capital were looking at my LinkedIn profile. So I assume some of my uh, some of my door hangers over in Highland Park must have reached out and you know connected to some of these people some way. 
But I would I think we're in a better stance and position if we can at least expose what's happening to us first before going to the table and starting to negotiate. That's my argument. And then protest possibly, because the more that I think about it with what Theo's saying, like right now, this may be like a, the the this may be like the uh, the over, you know, the underlay for the overlay, meaning like, you know, it starts with means logistical park. And then the next thing, you know, I, I walk outside and it's like a industrial park every two feet in our neighborhood because I don't know how you guys feel, but I plan on staying on Clements and I want to be in this neighborhood. So it, knowing that the values drop, that's one of those things where it's like six in one hand, half dozen in the other. But I still need my value to be high because I don't want to get to a point where I'm run out because my quality of life is too impacted by what's happening. Uh, the other key point I want to give is that in engaging with their legal counsel, our, our legal counsel has said, you know, a couple of things. Their legal counsel is like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, we're even open to, to not even wanting the deed restrictions to go, which is questioning my intelligence again. You know, I believe everyone was sued just to see how engaged of a community we have. Many people defaulted on their lawsuits, and rightfully so. You know, some people were, were I mean, it's seniors and a lot of people that are dealing with this type of stress. So I believe the... The underplay is like, okay, let's see how involved these people will be. Will they put up a fight? Will they be those people that just sit to the side and feel like, oh, they want my property? Nah. You know, so it's like, technically, this lawsuit wasn't taking our property in eminent domain, but it's a setup to basically say, hey, you know, if you want to go over in Hope Village, you can do whatever you want to do as an industrial person or a commercial person. You can just dump it on over there because we sued like 500 people over there and nobody even did nothing. So I think that that's just the way to engage that community. Just hit them with lawsuits. You know, I'm not trying to wake up every day to a different lawsuit from a different company that wants to do something. And God knows what till it does end up. And I hope this won't be that. Like, you know, now we got a chemical toxic plant down the street from us. And then 40 years from now, we're seeing something from like some, you know, class action lawsuit where every kid done got cancer, you know? And this happens, especially to black people, especially in communities like ours. So, hey, they fighting, we fighting. Uh, Miguel Mims, 1665, my question is, it's a lot of people in this lawsuit. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking people defaulted, man. So at this point, what are you guys suggesting that we do coming from Hope Village, our CDCs? Are we just SOL or is it like just jumping on the bandwagon with you guys? Is that going to help us? You know, I mean, because I'm stuck and confused. And okay, and I think Hope Village can speak a little to this. Uh, being board member with Hope Village, whatever I want to do, and I've told a lot of people, Joe, turn it down a little bit, it's like ringing. But um, I think I think whatever our act is, I want it to be collective. So if you defaulted on the suit, because many people defaulted on the suit, um, by defaulting on the suit, that still doesn't mean that action can't be taken. I think the best place position for that action would be 
with and through the CDC. Now, how we frame that, that's where like this response card comes into play, you know, um, and collectively we're going to have to, you know, because right now, even in the back and forth, I think possibly we're going to have to turn around and do what they did to us and sue them, sue the developers, sue whoever the tenant will be, sue uh, sue the people that will own the space as well. I think it's going to be a fire with fire type of thing. And collectively, the best way for us to lead this action, and I'm not a lawyer, I'm, I'm, it's being suggested is through the CDC. And if the CDC may have like trepidation about how and what, then it's going to be a group of we're going to just call it like residents of Hope Village or something. But it may be our lawsuit. And that may be where the fight goes. And I feel that our best action, as I say, even with courts itself, court, as far as I'm concerned, that, that ain't our battlefield. Protest, as this space is looking to, to quote unquote open and launch the second quarter of 2023. So that's like the spring. We may need to be gathering some picket signs. We may need to make it rough on whoever those first couple trucks that want to come down Hamilton in our space will be. We may need to offer some of that same noise that they've been offering us. We may have to look at some different options and opportunities because through the protests, we can get in another conversation because clearly this has impacted all of our property values. And that's whether we defaulted or didn't default. So getting that retribution and then also depending upon what those pollutants and toxins will be and how we monitor that. And that's why I'm looking for uh, the people's platform to assist more so with those monitoring systems and then it being punitive, too, because it's more than just. Yes, yeah, pollution or yeah, it's, it's, it's thousands of 18 wheelers now driving down 12th Street in, in, in Grand and messing the street up. If it's no action and no penalty to it then it really doesn't matter, in my opinion. So um, your question kind of goes right into a Hope Village question. For a, for a community benefits agreement, what that would look like, Jeff Jones. Thanks, Miguel. All right, good afternoon, family. I'm Jeff Jones, uh, board president of Hope Village Revitalization. Um, I'm not a lawyer. But I think one of the things that uh, I think we need to understand, Hope Village revitalization is in a unique position because right now we have standing in the court, and correct me if I'm wrong, we as an organization on behalf of the community did prevail against the developer in court. The developer had to come back to us and is attempting to negotiate with us to try to find some resolution. Uh, I recognize that many people, you know, defaulted you know, because this was an act of violence against our community, and it could be overwhelming. One thing I have known in my own personal experience working in Detroit, we are so much stronger together than we are individually. Yeah, I've been part of groups that have negotiated successful community benefits agreements with the likes of Henry Ford Health Systems. And that only came about because the community was unified and took the fight to them. They'll pick us off one by one. But if we stand collectively together, guess what? Our politicians will line up behind us. 
because the corporation don't vote. We do. And at the end of the day, they're going to come around to our side of this question. So I can't tell anybody what to do individually, but I would hope that collectively, we as a community would come together and tell this developer what we indeed want. Because at one point when Mr. Means was alive, we were negotiating with them. We set up some ideas about what we thought this project should do as a benefit to the community that they're impacting. Part of that was noise, part of that was truck traffic. The design of the project as it stands now is a result of our negotiations with them. Originally, they wanted to run the trucks up Woodrow Wilson right past, you know, Oakman Manor. You know, how crazy was that? And so because we fought with them about that, they had told us that that's not going to happen. But again, we still have to be vigilant with them to make sure that they stand by their agreement. So as Hope Village Revitalization as a group, we're going to stay in the fight. I would hope that the residents would also let us know what it is that you want. What are you seeking? Because to let collectively, we can fight and we can win. It's kind of hard to say what you want when you don't even know what they offer or what, what are they, what is they missing? All right, I'm I'm, I tell you, I want a dollar for planting a flower in my yard. Will you just tell me, oh, I'm gonna plant something in your yard? I'm gonna give you a so, so one second on that point, I know, it, yeah, it's like hearing and getting the audio. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, now we, we going back and forth because Miguel just gave a great point. We don't know what's to offer. And in my mind, it's up to us. Hence, like in, in negotiations, as they say, you know, if I'm, if I'm negotiating, we're gonna ask for the sky, sun, moon, stars, everything, you know, accepting what they put on the table. Because they put some things on the table with some people. And as far as I'm concerned, nah. That's not, that's not what, what's fair. And collectively, I believe that's what today's meeting is a start. And we're going to have some more meetings, obviously, you know, of what that will look like, you know. Uh, so it's more than just money because if we're going to stand, if we're going to plan to be here, I do think one of the key pushbacks about this project that is really has me engaged is lawyers are saying that this space is being built without an occupant and the space itself is open to agree to the community a community benefits agreement that already exists whatever happens we need to make sure that whoever the occupant is is as liable as the owner of this facility. Whoever the occupant is has to be as liable. So they need, and we don't care what's going on. So whoever that is needs to sign on to this CBA as well. And I believe that the first thing in this CBA, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm looking at my dad's list, but you know, the response card, but the first thing is obviously monetary compensation for the lawsuit. But also we have to negotiate what monetary compensation will be for the loss of value for now rezoning our properties, you know? And depending upon how many properties you own, because there's people that own multiple properties, some people here that own multiple properties in this footprint, you know? You're new to the area and it's like you buy your home and then it immediately goes down in value, you know? So we need to quantify what that'll be monetarily. And then moving forward, we need to know who's, what's in there and why things are in there. Because I believe some of the restrictions they're looking are breaking 
so a, a lot of the rules they're looking at like lifting like a, a alcohol ordinance they're looking at lifting like something uh some other or debbie would know more into this but explosives explosives i didn't know that you just gave me some information explosives may be over in this warehouse okay well that right there already just i didn't even know that until you just said that but to lift a, a, a restriction like explosives can be held in a warehouse right there you know that's that's extremely dangerous I do want to I want to respond to Miguel's uh, question too I think that's an excellent question and I think we need to look at it and I'm gonna look at it from a standpoint as uh, as a businessman because when I look at it I'm looking at this first as we gather information as we find that information we're going to find out about the vulnerabilities and the potential ways that we can stop what's happening we can find out how we will be an obstruction to whatever's happening. If we find out, and once we identify those vulnerabilities, it may be that, hey, those are pretty limited. Again, I'm not looking at politics. I'm just looking at it from a standpoint of, hey, we have something that they need. And if we determine that, uh, we, we, if we can make an assessment as to how much they are willing to pay for that uh, to address their need, that's going to drive, drive the numbers and the requests that we make. So as we gather information, we'll find that out. Like what was just shared about, about explosives. You know, what they say, fireworks, hey, explosives are explosives. Why are they wanting to lift all these restrictions that, uh, that have protected our community? And so when we go back, and I say once we get in this, as we determine what that picture looks like, we may come back and say, yeah, every property owner should get $125,000 and we want certain, certain uh, facilities in the community. We also want to have protections against uh, noise ordinances and, and air quality. And we may come back to them with a, with a multi-million dollar price tag. Because what I see here is, is, is we've got to change the way that, 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 that we approach uh, these kind of battles. Because this is, you know, business is kind of war at times. In this situation, it definitely is because they came at us violently and aggressively. So as we gather information, if we can determine what some of those vulnerable points are, some of those showstoppers that, that we can potentially, or blockages that we can potentially put up, because something like this, time is money for them. So maybe they can say, hey, we got the money, we'll sit them out. But no, no, guess what? That, they came to us. We were just sitting there, you know, minding our own business. We can sit around for years. Now, they'll be doing other, they may do other things to hit us. But what we're talking about is a potential, we're talking about war. And as we gather information, just like they're gathering information on us, I think you said a lot, son, when you said they're already looking at his LinkedIn profile. You think that they're not serious? It's a big, bad corporation. They're looking at my son's LinkedIn profile. That, but what's interesting about that, that tells us for them to look at his profile, they're vulnerable. They're, they're worried about what we're doing now. And I know, I know you're kind of ill today, but I know you've organized. I do want you to say something. I do want you to say something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as, as it's been some organizing on Facebook and in other places. And I think even if you defaulted on their lawsuit, you could definitely join in our lawsuit. It was some elders that were sued in this. You know, I think one of them, like, you know, dealing already with strokes and things like that. I think we have some arguments to give. What'd you say? My daughter. Your, your daughter. So, I mean, it's like you, you're causing people, you're giving people strokes by serving them? 
stressing them out. We don't know what's going on. Everybody thinking they about to lose their property. That right there, I think, is an argument in our lawsuit. Yeah, and, and and man, next time I really want to capture. I really I'm want sorry. you to say something. You know, I, I want that. I want that mic because that would have been a good thing to capture on mic. But in this, and, and I want more people to speak because please tell us what you all want in this fight. Because as far as I'm concerned, we need to. We need to probably look at. I didn't even think countersuit till right now. Like so, this is like a discovery thing. Can you? Get, can you get to the mic? Get to the mic. Get to the mic. Get to the mic. Get to the mic. Get to the mic so that I can. Can you get to the mic so we can record it? Because this is the best. My best technique in this is media, and I know you ill, and I want to get more, but I know you've organized people on Facebook. Let's get that information. Let's get that information. Yes, I have uh, organized groups on Facebook. I did my own research. I found things that the public was oh, not share, as close to have. Share your name, Actually, too. My name is Laura. I'm a resident. I stay on 4th Street. Um, when I got wind of it, it was, what, two weeks? The last two weeks in August. And when I found out what was going on, because I really didn't know what was going on about it, I jumped into action. And it's funny that you're saying today, countersuit. But I've been saying countersuit since day one. Mm -hmm. I've been out here on foot doing homework, finding information, making copies of, the, of this information with the um, staff report, with the city of Detroit, the resulting quits, all that. We were never supposed to know anything. And y'all saying that uh, it's hard to say what you want to do when you don't know what they're going to do. They're never going to tell us what they're going to do. So how can we say something? And, I mean, and I, I feel like if we can engage, and this is, that, that's to me as far as their, to their advantage. Theo may be able to speak to this. Their advantage is court and secrecy. Because in exactly, my mind, the way they want to frame this fight is, the way they want to frame this fight is, you know, Black man worked real hard, built his company up, he passes away, wife steps in and does something for this community with all these poor people where nothing's happening. That's the way they want to tell this story. The way we can shift this story is they came at us and causing people to have strokes in our community by suing us. So in the countersuit, like I say, I mean, all of this, this is my first, I was like, let's have this meeting now to figure out some of the responses. And I say, let's throw the book at them. Because they're throwing a the book at us. I'm sorry, and I don't mean to sound rude when I say hey. this, but I, everything y'all doing here today, I've been doing weeks and we now, And that's where we want to partner. And I'm not necessarily saying, let's do it together. I'm open to it. This is the first act where okay, I'm like, okay. I still got, I still got your contact information. Yeah. When I get home, I will be contacting Let's you. do it. Okay. And I mean, Absolutely. because as what Jeff said, the, the more of us, the better it will be. It's going to expose everything. Because right now, they're operating with you know they're, they're roaches in the dark we turn the lights on that's exactly. only going to empower us exactly. and the best way to empower us is to work together exactly. if, if you're three steps ahead then catch us up we want to get to <laughs> no where problem. you at we want to no be in the fight with you no problem and if you already have the countersuit going then we need to uh 
talk to your representation and figure out how we can all come together collectively and be in that fight. And we can do it, like I say, I got legal, protests, media, politics. Those are the four, those are the four chords that I see, you know, and especially, and I think protests will become hot as this project is looking to I open. I mean, the honestly, I don't think the protests will do anything but just basically um, bring light to the situation, but and see and that's and that's and to me that is a lot because if i am a tenant that's looking to enter Mm -hmm. a city like highland park especially Mm -hmm. and we already know how like like, let let me be serious here it ain't gonna be black folks over in that building it's gonna be white folks and white folks in michigan and white folks in michigan already look at coming past eight mile as "Mm -mm, you don't want to go there so some of them good old boys have some problems getting to where they truck is and you got other facilities that they possibly can use this is a new project named after some black dude hey we just gonna take our business elsewhere if we hit them in the pocket that can do something i actually do think protesting especially like staying something consistent if we can organize it as they open i mean imagine that the ribbon cutting you know the mayor probably gonna be there Probably Mayor Duggan, Mayor Yop. You probably gonna have the governor probably come down. And then you have people across the street saying, hey, this gay, this is the old lady a stroke. That across the street. And now you got the mayor, and then we have media come out but and see, have to respond to something see, like that. I think that does do something. See, Hamilton Corridors knew that it was going to bring health issues upon certain residents because in mm-hmm. one of the staff reports that I was able to find, they, we need they quoted, I have that. We if need you want all copies that. of that, I have that. We, but in that one of those forms that I was able to find, they mm-hmm. have in there, they are not liable for any health issues that may bring to the and, people because and, of the situation. And, and, so they know that the severity of this will cause, especially the elderly, heart attacks, strokes. They know this. And, and, and as far so as I'm concerned. There, so if this does happen, they're not reliable. And what I would say is it's kind of like, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, attorneys look at stuff like that and they eat it up. Mm-hmm. So it's Absolutely. like, yeah, you want to write on paper. Absolutely. So then we then we turn around, like I say, it's four. It's I got four things up here. So okay, they wrote something where it's like, hey, these people in this community gonna have a stroke, and they wrote it in where they can have a stroke. And then we turn around, and then we go to the governor and we say, hey, governor, you supported this. You supported people having strokes, and you support this type of stuff. Mayor, city council person, uh, state representative, state senator, senator, congressperson, you support this? You support people dying? You know, and I believe when things like that start happening, usually things change. As we saw for years now, it was a long fight. The fight in southwest Detroit over the air quality is still a fight that goes on now. But now when development happens through southwest Detroit, and a lot of those laws were written up on paper to the advantage of the corporation, because that's what you do in business. If I hire an attorney, the attorney better write it to my advantage, but that's their attorney. We gonna get our own, we gonna take this fight. It sounds like you already steps ahead, so let's, let's get going. I'm gonna get with you. Yeah, let's 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 take this on. Okay. Let's take this on. I'm with it. And thank you. Thank you. I mean, we need this. And as far as I'm concerned, all four levels is how we need to take this fight. And then if we're strategic, it's good. When you get to the point where you say we're gonna protest mm-hmm. on a ribbon cutting day. Yeah. This is not a building that they're gonna advertise we opening today. So mm-hmm. how do we know when they open And that's where you I know think what I'm saying? Like, all this protest shit, yeah, that shit sound good, but mm-hmm. who's, who's going to be 
that, that on the roof shooter. Yeah, the day to day. That's what we need. You can't what just I'm go on. I'm trying to make, like, okay, y'all can have protest. I get it, but what is protest when you're going to do? But besides. I, 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 I don't have to agree with Kari. I don't mean to cut you up, but protest change shit. I mean, yeah, no, it does. It does. And like he said, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh, what is the movie with the monkeys? What's the monkey name? That little badass monkey? Uh, Outbreak. Who? Oh, oh. Uh, say it. Yeah, yeah. Planet of the Apes. Yeah. That motherfucker Caesar saved one monkey week, and he had a bunch of sticks. He put them together, and he couldn't break them. <laughs> Listen to me. It's not hard. You see what I did? I came by your house and knocked on your door today. Just like you had them letters, all you got to do is give it to one person. One person. You give it to Kari. And I know, well, guess what he do? He going to put that shit on your door. You got to give it to one person. We we are a community. Unity in the community. We got to work together. I mean, well, and, and that's where, that's where we not, start. If they address involved in that, in that thing, you should be concerned like, I didn't even know that you didn't know. We just so happened to link one day and get to talking and that's how we found out. You're like, you know what? I got some information. I said, you know what? Every time I get some information, I'm going to do what? So, and that's what we got to do. So when you get something, you know he in Hope Village, you know she in Hope Village. You, that's why when we come up, we say 1665 West Grand. So you got my address now. You could have been, I'm going to come by, but I got your address. I'm going to drop this paper off to you. Yeah. But I'm with that, Kyrie. That protest. I, I think. All that legal. We can't win in court. And, and this is what I think. We're not going to win in court. Let me say this. Let me say this. I think that with this, from this meeting, and, it, and this, you know, this is actually how organizing looks. It's, it's, not, it's not as clean. It's, it's going to be some back and forth. And, and of these four tenants, we're going to have different people in different committees. So if you think they're protesting is some bullshit, guess what? You're not in the protest committee. Now, I'm not saying you. I'm speaking to the universal you, second person. If you think legal is some bullshit, you ain't going to be in the legal committee. If you think media is some bullshit, don't do a media. If you hate politicians, don't be in politics. But I feel like we can get the right people in the right places because it's about a groundswell collectively. Well, you know, we, so we nominate Lori for media. <laughs> <laughs> you are media coordinator. Well, let's let's rock and roll. I mean, I look at it like I mean, I know we're getting to a to an end. This is our first. The next meeting, I look, we're gonna get some more people. We'll have some more information. I'm gonna get this video out. This video is gonna get some responses. I guarantee it. Because I've already notified some of the media people I know. And they like, damn, I didn't even know that. When you get the video, let me see. You know? So as this gets out. And I'm sure it's going to be me taking a lot of heat, but that's cool. It is what it is because eventually it's us as a collective. I know we got a date, like I say, you know, how and what that fight's going to look like. We will find out soon, but we got four tenants right now that I see. If we know more, this is what this meeting is about. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's not going to be a walk in the park for them already and, and we know it's going to be some more support that i'm looking for the, from the people's platform and community benefits agreement uh hope village already has some agreements but we need to revise what that community benefits agreement will look like between this space because that's where it's going to come to but if they feel like we're pushovers i feel like we don't have much leverage in it so wherever our strengths are we need to align with our strengths 
and let those people take the lead and so forth and so on. So with that being said, I know we're getting closer to four. Jeff, Debbie, you want to say something? Because I know Debbie, you can see, you can speak to the community benefits agreement that already does exist. Yeah. Yeah. But secondly, so we got sued just like everybody else. We we were shocked actually to be sued, and as Jeff said, um, we responded by hiring a pro bono attorney. Which because we don't have any money to hire an attorney that we would have to pay, um, and they uh, filed a a motion, a summary disposition motion saying that the lawsuit that the developer filed against us was not, um, I don't want to say legitimate, but it didn't, it didn't meet the requirements to proceed. And so right now, we're at a point of some leverage, not a lot, but we think they, they want us to agree to their whatever they want for the property and we've said no and we won in court so now if they want to if they want to get over us they we've got an opportunity to present some demands which is what we would like to hear from people what they want so when we were originally as jeff said negotiating with eric means who was a very good person to negotiate with he would he would hear what we said he understood community um, we were asking about pollution. We wanted uh, monitors for all the way around their facilities so that we'd know if they're contributing to air pollution. We wanted noise monitors. We wanted um, the ability to, to control, to have the traffic stay off all of the residential streets. We wanted to make sure that, um, that they were contributing positively to the community and would have to meet with the community every month to, to talk about how they're impacting the development so that people could be directly giving their views to them. So none of that, we don't have any agreements with them. They haven't agreed to any of that. Um, so this is the point where we wanted to make sure we, we knew what everybody in the neighborhood wants because our organization is a membership organization. Everybody who's a resident in the neighborhood is automatically a member. And so you guys, if you live here, you're members of us. We don't see ourselves as being a different entity. Jeff's our, our board chair. Kari's our vice chair. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have this question, too, because you can speak more to this. He mentioned explosives. We, it already is an agreement here. What are what other than explosives what are they looking to break from the agreements that already exist in yeah so the agreements that Carrie's talking about um about maybe five six years ago we um put deed restrictions on the property we didn't know that their development was coming but you know god is good and we put these deed restrictions on the property that basically said this is a residential neighborhood any development that happens here has to be consistent with a residential neighborhood and those are the restrictions that they want to delete right now they want to they want to get rid of those restrictions and so our um we said Basically, since we've won at this stage in the lawsuit, we're not willing to get rid of those restrictions. So they came back and they said, um, 
They don't know who the tenant is, but it's possible that their tenant may want to have fireworks stored there. I think that the, uh, I think, I think the, the, the type of fight that we're in probably is definitely going to take a couple different forms as legally. And I ended up in some trouble legally with some of my representation for letting information go. And that's why I don't like the legal fight because you can't say everything, it's stuck in court. If you say something, you, you uh, I forget what it is, you, you end up in contempt or something like that. That's, that's definitely probably not gonna be my tip of the hat. But I do believe that it, it plays a role in what we're gonna do. And if we can heighten the exposure of this, we're gonna end up with that dog of an attorney to once represent all of us because they're gonna want the exposure of the type of case this is. Because if you win a case of like, old lady had a stroke from some development suing everybody, that basically is money in the bank to a lot of attorneys. I believe we can heighten the exposure of this and that's gonna attract the support we need. And that, that'll be on all points. So as we close out, I wanted to close out with, um, with Theo giving one more last point as you see like the back and forth and, and where things go. Can you speak to, of these four things, is this something we're missing um, in this fight? What do you think, what else we can do? What, where, where do you stand from with the people's platform and seeing fights like this every day? I, I think you, you covered it pretty much. And all of this stuff in, in, in involves organizing, right? Getting people to work collectively together. You can't do it by yourself. But you just can't do it by yourself. You, you, you have to have people working together collectively. You have to have organization. You have to have a plan. You have to have structure. And you got to execute. Um, on the legal side, the protest side, like the protest side is powerful. I know a lot of times that gets kind of poo-pooed. But so Detroit People's Platform, we got thousands of members throughout the city, right? Kari called me, yo, we, we got an action on, on Hamilton right now. I'm showing up with 200 brothers and sisters with black t-shirts on, right? With, with combat boots, right? The visual of it, right? The militancy of it, the resistance of it. It makes a difference, right? I guarantee you uh, cameras are gonna come out and it's gonna draw attention to it. Uh, the media side of it, communication, all of this, the politics side of it. Um, so all of these type of things matter. I, just, I, I wanna say a couple of quick things right quick. Um, I, I, I think, right, community has an awesome opportunity to bring um, the developer to the table and win some huge community benefits. And I would implore folks to think creatively right, and expansive about what can be done, right? The environmental pieces are an absolute necessity, right? But I'm talking about collective ownership too. They receiving public money here. They just not setting up shop like, yeah, we wanna open up a business here. No, you are taking our money to make profit. You're making millions, right? What about us? What about, what about, what about a collective community stake in the business? Can we get 1%? Can we get 2%? What about setting up a community fund? You take a certain amount of profit every year. Can, can we get 1% of your profit, 2% of your profit put in the community fund that everybody can tap into? And you were talking about home improvements and talking about affordable housing. We can start to improve our own homes, 
right? And create um, create uh, uh, right vouchers, right, and payments so people can afford to live in the neighborhood to keep right rent, to keep housing affordable for everybody, right? These type of things. And so it's great opportunity here and Detroit People's Platform is here to support, um, phone call away. Um, so tap me, yep. All right, thank you so much. Uh, we gonna, now we're gonna do the, uh, thank you all so much. We're gonna, we gonna organize something else again. Right now it is the end of October. I think we need to be talking again sometime in December. Um, but before the end, I'm gonna be rapping with all of y'all before the end anyway. So thank you all so much for coming out. Please make sure you fill out that response card. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.